John chapter 3, very familiar passage and the most famous verse in the Bible, and uh, still is one of the most popular Googled items uh, on the Google list every year. It makes that top 20 to 30 to 40, whatever list, fluctuates every year in and year out. But John 3.16 is an amazing verse. When you look at the real reason behind something, uh, a lot of times we, what we do is we, we look at the symptoms of something. We appreciate the symptoms of something. We don't understand the real purpose or foundation of why something happens, right? And from God's perspective today, everything God planned was for one main reason. Because in the Garden of Eden, something was introduced that changed everything, and that was sin. And with sin came a price, and that price is death. Nothing died before mankind sinned, right? Although I thought I saw a funny meme the other day that I thought was, was pretty comical. Uh, I'm sure, I know this church is pretty much a meat-eating church. I know that most everybody here loves their meat. Um, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, God bless you, I have no problem with that. But I did see a funny meme that said, um, why is this life more valuable than this life? And it showed a picture of, of a cow, and then it showed a picture of broccoli. Because broccoli has to die too if you're going to eat broccoli. Um, but anyway, I thought that was pretty funny. Why is the cow's life more valuable, valuable to people than broccoli is and stuff? But the fact of the matter is, is when Adam and Eve sinned, when they fell into sin, death entered the world. Death. Death became... Something that we all, we all, all of us can relate to. We understand the concept of death. We know that death happens to everything. Everything, whether it's trees, grass, food, the food we eat, and of course to people that we love and care about. Some of our dear loved church members this past week have experienced a loss of a loved one where their body dies. But we have to understand the things from God's perspective today, and I think you'll be very encouraged by this, because when God originally planned everything, when God went into business and went into work of restoring everything, when he wanted to pay the price by sending his son, of course, John 3, 16, the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Notice that as he talks about how he gave his only begotten son, nothing in the most famous verse in the Bible mentions the crucifixion, nothing even mentions the resurrection, but God's original plan, and this is what we want to be thankful for, is God wanted to take that which was doomed for death, don't miss this now, and give it life again. God's original reason was for life. You see, in the Garden of Eden, there was no death, and God and Adam met every single day in the cool of the day. In fact, the very day that Adam and Eve sinned, God showed up as he always does. And God came looking for Adam, and, and Adam had now found out that he was naked because he had fallen into sin and boy with that that bite of that piece of fruit came a whole lot of things a whole lot of things open to him uh, uh, satan's deception and and of course we know that god immediately went to work and god actually asked the question who told thee that thou was naked that's the question god asked he didn't say what or how did you come across this he said, who told thee that i was naked and mankind understood that day that something had happened that would separate them from god they were ashamed and they went to hide, and immediately, immediately, as soon as they took a bite of that fruit, they began to die. Death entered into this world, and so death passed upon all men. Every single time a baby is born, we get so excited by the arrival of this new life, but that child, as he begins to grow, and she begins to grow, immediately we know that that child has an appointment someday with death, just as everybody does. And so when God saw that death entered into the world, God said this, I'm going to make sure 
that I bring back life. Life. He grants to you and me life. In fact, the Bible says it there twice. It says in verse 15 that whosoever believes him should not perish. Should not perish. If you're not going to perish, that means you have the anecdote to that. You have the opposite of that. You have the antonym to that, which is eternal life. The Bible says again in verse number 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes him should not perish. There it is again. Should not perish, should not dissolve, should not die, should not fade away, but have everlasting life. So here's the mindset I want to give to you today. And here's where, we, here's where I think you'll get blessed by this statement. Listen to the statement very carefully here today. Many of us would say that my life caused Jesus' death. But Jesus would say this, my death brought you your life. Let me say it again. Jesus, I'm sorry, my life, my sinful life, my sin that has condemned me and damned me to hell, the sin that has destroyed me, the sin that has made me automatically qualified for an appointment with death. And we all know that. You've heard me say this many times before. If I ever find out where I'm going to die, I'm just not going to go to that place. Can I get an amen right there? All right. But the fact of the matter is death does chase us all our lives. Many die at young age. And, of course, many of us get to live uh, till a long age. I found out recently that the average expectancy of life on the whole planet right now is 78.7 years. That's pretty phenomenal. I recently found out, though, that there are some countries on this planet, many countries on this planet, that the average life expectancy in those countries is like 56.7 years old. I mean, that would make me only eight years away. And some of you would already be gone if you were living in those countries. I mean, death is something that is always on the horizon. It's something that we know we have an appointment with with and sometimes when you're younger you start to think about I'm invincible death is far away it's a far reach but then you start to get a little older and you're older and you're older I remember even the last year or two when I was talking to my dad more and more I could see my dad begin to prepare himself he knew that day was coming he told me son this day is coming you know that there's going to come a day I'm getting closer and closer he was getting himself ready he knew he had an appointment with that day boy I begged and prayed I'd love if the rapture would have happened first but God decided to take him and God takes all of our loved ones at certain times because there is an appointment with death. And as it is appointed, under man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. We know there's an appointment with death. So as I look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry that my life has caused your death. Jesus says, no, son. My death has caused your life. Hallelujah. Because of his death, I have life. Because of his death, I have eternal life. Because of his death, I am now restored to God, the creator of this universe, who formed us and made us, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that God who loves us, that God who cares for us, that God who wants to walk in the cool of the day with us, the God, even while we still live in this flesh that is sinful, this flesh that is wretched, this flesh that is damned, this flesh that is condemned, this flesh that cannot be saved, that God still says, I am willing to walk with you and talk with you and love you, because one day Hey, you're coming to my place forever, 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 forever to live. You see, God doesn't get too excited about the golden streets. God isn't too excited about the pearly gates. God has a great interior decorator. He has no problem with all his decorations. Heaven's going to be so amazing. It's going to floor us. But God is most excited about this. He's most excited about knowing that we will live with him forever. God wants to give you life. The older I get, boy, I'm aging, you know, I, I just get thrilled when my family's all together. And this past week has been sweet. 
when the kids start going away, it's so sweet when they come home. Sometimes I like to just sit around because, and listen to them talk and rip on each other, make fun of each other. And poor my son, you know how it is when you've got three sisters and you're the only boy. He's always, he's getting attacked from every angle, poor guy. Even he don't even want to sit with his sisters in church. He's in junior church because he gets treated better down there than he would be up here by his sisters. He's hiding out in junior church. But, but I think about the joys, and I, and I begin to think about how my dad was like that in the last few years. He just wanted his family around him. My dad wasn't the outgoing, lively personality he used to be. He was the life of the party everywhere he went. He was always the, uh, the man that would walk in the room, and within 10 minutes there was a whole crowd around him of deaf people because he was a great storyteller. He was high energy. He was, he was just that man that just had that it factor when he walked in the room. In the last few years, he wasn't like that. He would sit there quietly, but I realized that he just loved to have his family around him. And boy, I want you to understand that that's how God is today. God wants to sit around his throne, and he wants us around him. Do you understand that today? Last week, Brother Bedwell, you celebrated your 20-year spiritual birthday, and the reason God saved you was to give you a life so you could be with him forever. The reason why you got saved, think back to the day you got saved, is so that you can live with God forever. God wants you to come to his house. God wants you to live around his throne. God wants you to be on his streets. God wants you to live in his neighborhood. God wants you to be in a place where there'll be no more death, no more sin, no more cancer. You see, we're going to celebrate the birth of the baby in the next few weeks. Our kids are learning their verses. They're going to get up here and quote Luke 2. We're going to hear Luke 2 for the next three or four Sundays. And boy, I never get tired of Luke chapter 2. But you can talk about the angel proclaiming his birth. You can talk about his, his miraculous conception. You can talk about the virgin birth. You can talk about the journey to Bethlehem and there was no room in the end. You can talk about all those things and how he went to Egypt. You can talk about his, 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 his visit from the Magi. You can talk about how he grew up in Nazareth and how 12 years old he confounded the, the teachers in the temple. You can talk about his life of three and a half years of ministry and his crucifixion and his resurrection and you look at all those details, all those stories, all those behind the scenes that God did, all the things he did to make it happen and you say, God, what is the real reason for it all? He says it's this, when Adam and Eve fell, I wanted to make sure you had a way to come back to live with me forever. It's about eternal life. This past week we lost some loved ones, family members. The last few months I've lost one of the most dearest men in my life to me. But I know I'm going to see him again. Because though our life should have been the reason that condemned Jesus to death, Jesus says, no, 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 I gave my life in death for you so that you might live forever with me. Boy, that shift of mindset just changes things. It changes things. You see, number one, my life did not cause his death, but rather his death caused my life. You see, my life should now then cause others to live life. And as I was studying this out, I think it's very fitting and interesting that if you look at verse 14, I won't be much longer. It's interesting that of all the Old Testament stories that God decided to use to to pull out, and Jesus is here talking to Nicodemus again. Remember John three sixteen, the most famous verse in the Bible. Watch this. I love this still. Sometimes we forget it. It's just worth mentioning again. It's only said to one man in the middle of the night. You would think the most powerful, famous verse of all of mankind would have been said to a multitude. He should have saved this verse for the day when he preached to the 5,000 that he fed with the women and the children. He should have saved this for the day, uh, maybe even on his crucifixion to declare that. But he says it to one person in the middle of the night. You know why? Because this verse, this message, this desire of God that he wants you to live with him forever is meant to be said to the individual at your darkest moments of life. Because Jesus is saying to you today, I want you, yeah, you, 
Rick Coons, I want you to live with me forever. Kent George, I want you to live with me forever. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> Jesus says, I want Randy Dignan to live. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure about that, Lord? You stuck with me. He wants you. Mary's with him now, and Debbie's with him now, and my daddy's with him now, and Ray's with him now. And I think about all the loved ones we've lost through the years, but they're with him now because of eternity and because of eternal life that he gave to you and me. But he says, I want to correlate your thoughts. I want you to, to think about this whole concept or grasp it by verse number 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now for backstory, I won't be much longer. Stay with me now. Watch this. This is the famous story of the Old Testament when the children of Israel were griping and complaining. We never do that, do we? It amazes me. Remember I said a few weeks ago, we, are, we, we don't want to be PC, politically correct, but we are PC as Christians today, professional complainers. I'm amazed today at the things that people find a reason to complain about. I'm amazed at the things that I find myself to complain about. I've been complaining heavily about my Florida Gators. I'm about to boycott them. Dad's in heaven. He won't care anymore. I'm done with him, all right? Until next fall, my wife laughs. Until next fall, then I'll become a fan again, right? I mean, we, we have plenty of reason to complain about. And God was so frustrated with the children of Israel. This is what happened in the Bible. You can read it later. People just started dying. They got started getting bit by snakes. Just dying. Death. You see, complaining breeds the concept of death. Complaining and being critical and being negative breeds the attitude of spirit of death. And that's why as a society, as a country, we've gone from being a thankful nation to a complaining nation to an entitled nation. And now you understand the death of our nation. Because when it's all said and done, there's always been a battle between that which is evil and that which is good. That which is dark and that which is light. Watch this now. That which is death and that which is life. And so God told Moses, if you lift up a serpent, just lift it up. And if people look to that serpent... They'll survive the snake bite that they were getting. Isn't it amazing that the only part of a snake that is dangerous is about this much space of a snake's body? The rest of the body can't hurt you. Oh, I'm python and anaconda. That's a whole other subject. But you know what I'm talking about? Those vipers, those venomous snakes, they don't typically wrap around things. They just bite you and let you die. That little part of us, venom, that, that venom, not poison, the venom that enters the body of that living organism begins to cause death. And I'm telling you, many Christians today, our spirit is dying inside. We're losing the life we once had. We're losing the victory we had in Jesus. We're losing all those things because we've allowed this small instrument, this tongue, this mouth to consistently find reasons to complain. And Jesus wants us to say today, we ought to be praising him forever. We ought to be excited forever. We ought to be blessed forever. We ought to realize and, and just meditate on the simple truth that even though many times I think my life causes death, he says, no, Randy, my death has caused your life. He died so that we can live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And so God is saying here, he is very, very, very much about life. He created an eternal abode that it would never be destroyed, no election, no terrorist acts, no attacks. Satan isn't even allowed there. Satan will be defeated. He is already defeated. Satan will be gone. Death will not be present. No more tears, no more sickness, no more heartbreaks, no more things that are anywhere correlated or related to death. All of it will be gone because everything about heaven is life, 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 
life, life. Which is why that whosoever believe in him should not perish. Whosoever believes in him should not perish. You ain't going to die if you believe in him. I said you ain't going to die if you believe in him. You see, when God looks at the death of a saint, he doesn't feel like it's death really. We're finally losing this sinful body that caused us death. We're finally getting rid of this body and we're going to receive the new glorified body where we will live for him, for, with him forever and ever. You see, when my dad passed this past May, his old body was left behind. But thank God he got that new body. And the triune being, my father's body, soul, and spirit are now in heaven forever and ever with God. Why? Because God is about life, about life, about life. That's why he says precious in the sight of the Lord is the what? The death of his saints. It's precious to God because now he says you're completely free from anything that can remind you or pull you or harass you about the idea of death. I'm reminded of death every day. And the older I get, the more my football days are starting to come back and say, hello. My body is not what it used to be. Death is reminding me, hello. And it's still a long ways away. Stay back. Stay back. Right? But the fact of the matter is, death is not ever something a Christian really experiences. Because while we, to be absent from the body, is to be what? Present in the Lord. So today, the purpose of this message is simply this. I just pouring out from my heart. It was one of those weird messages. I don't have any outlines. I use, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with that. The Lord knows my heart. But today's message is simply this. It's God saying to us, before we head to this Christmas season, as we leave this Thanksgiving season, I want you to understand my real reason for it all. God, why would you sacrifice your son? Why would you suffer like you suffered? Why would you be scourged? Why would you wear the crown of thorns? Why would you beat beyond recognition? Why would you be perfect and yet become sin for me. Why would you do all those things? Why? What's the real reason of it all? God said, here's the real reason. I want you to live with me. It's about life. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It was not my life that brought forth his death, but rather because of his death, I now have eternal life. Heads and bad eyes are closed. Thanks for listening so well today.